I don't buy the idea that, you know, the society the way it is right now, it has to be this way. Welcome to Rewrite the Rules with your host, Alex Starr. So many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. It's time to live life on your own terms. What do you really want? All right, guys, I put off recording this intro the whole night, and then I made the mistake of hitting um, my roommate's bong. So I am way too high to be making this intro, but I told myself that I would make it, so here we are. Um, Hey, by the way, before I get started, welcome back. Christmas, New Year's, blah, blah, blah. We're all ready to go here. Um, By the way, whoever is listening to this, and if you haven't reached out to me, or if you've been listening for a while, or if this is your first episode, shoot me an email real quick. I would love to hear from you, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Would seriously love to hear where you're from, um, and uh, maybe what you'd like to hear coming up this year on the podcast. So, got some cool stuff. Um, All right, today we got my boy Ryan Runcy, a local artist here in Austin. Uh, You guys are going to really jump into the heart, mind, and soul of uh, a full-time artist, the creative process, everything like that. Super interesting to sit down in the studio and record this. Um, I appreciate him coming on. Got some awesome stuff coming up the next few months here. Um, Next episode, going to be out in about two weeks, um, is going to be my transgender friend, Lay. Um, If you've ever had questions um, about that, that you're maybe too scared to ask, we get pretty deep into it. Um, Super fun podcast. Um, So that should be great. Bunch of other cool stuff. Um, Oh, God, I got to take a breath. My heart's beating fast. Um, Besides that, enjoy the show. Yeah, enjoy the podcast. Um, Love you all. And thank you for listening. And got some cool stuff coming out. I already said that. I am going to stop this recording now. Enjoy the podcast, guys. Ryan, you ready? Yeah, let's do this. Oh, wait. I have my notebook with a couple of... <laughs> I got super baked last night. And I was trying to like... I always think of like, all right, man, let me get in the mindset of like, think of what, I'm gonna, what am I going to talk to the person about, you all know? Right. Like, all right, what am I going to talk to Ryan about? So I was like kind of looking at your Facebook paintings and uh-huh. stuff, and I was just like super baked. And I just like <laughs> wrote down like creative inspiration, like stuff like that last night, like sure, at 11.30. <laughs> it was funny, dude. Um, but this is cool man this is a really this is a a chill like podcast vibe we're in your studio surrounded by your paintings colors everywhere yeah it's cool (laughs) and it's like for people listening at home we're like set up these are old what 1970s like stereo boxes that we have the microphones up the laptop is over here on your palette yeah it's my uh art cart if you will art cart yeah yeah, yeah. i hold like 50 60 different paints in here and then a massive 30-inch glass plate on top. That way I can mix up all my colors and experiment a little bit. How long does it take? Like, whenever I see people painting, man, it's literally... And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because it's, it's a different world to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I do think most people are creative in different ways, but painting is a way that I've never been drawn to. Yeah, I see no pun mean. intended. No, not, <laughs> I've never been drawn to. I've never been good at it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so whenever I see people, like I was talking about my roommate, that can just look at all these colors, mix it up, and then they create these beautiful things that we're looking at on the wall. I literally think to myself, like, this is an alien. Like, this is not a human (laughs) because it means nothing to me. Like, it doesn't connect in my mind, you know? Yeah, totally. And, like, I've, I've experienced that entering the field of art, entering creation, and trying to understand how people even make the things they do, you know? Especially watching things like Star Wars and Transformers. Like, these are literally mind-blowing images. They look so lifelike. Like, you're literally taken into the story. Mm -hmm. And so, I try to do that with my work. I try to pull you into my psychological space, whether it's just of these colors or the emotion that you see in the paintings that I make. So, it's like... It's it's more of a philosophical thing for me, but the technical aspects of mixing colors, how to use your brush, how to properly clean them, oddly enough, that's just important. 
that all these things um, create the science and the chemistry behind art. That's incredible. So it's kind of like the process of like if you're a basketball player and it's like you need to get the fundamentals now and your footwork and everything, but then like the way that you, you know, the athletic ability, I guess is like a form of creativity, but mm-hmm. like the way that you do layups or the way that you dunk and all the different flair, that's like right, the creative right. layers on top of the like foundations kind of thing. Totally. So people will mix colors for hours and hours all week long just to learn about colors and learn about pigments. And the reason that's so important Uh, This is like the biggest science aspect of art is that we're using pigments. So everything that's in the paint is either different types of dirts crushed up very finely, different uh, flower uh, pigments. Um, They still, not not nearly as much to this day, but they would use cow urine to get that bright yellow. Whatever works. Yeah, it's, (laughs) it's called Indian yellow hue. Because the Indians, uh, East Indian, oh no shit, uh, they were the first to take the urine, dry it out, and break down that dried up urine to have yellow paint. So I don't have to do that. I <laughs> I go to the store. I can buy easily fifty, sixty yeah. colors. Yeah, you know. And some of these are made in factories, just high um, like metal oxides and sulfides. They take these metals and they put them through chemical processes and completely change um, like iron and things that we're so used to into every color. And so knowing how each of these different dirts and metals mix is half the battle because they all mix differently. It's not like house paint. Right. You know, it'd be crazy though. Can you imagine back in the day if you actually created the colors yourself and then yeah. you created the canvas I yourself? I thought about that a and lot. And then you actually, it's kind of like, um, like, oh, see, there you go. You got to <laughs> silence my fucking phone. Um, when you, like, do you smoke cigars? Uh, rarely. Rarely? But, okay. But I know the- <clears throat> or like beer. People like making their own beer now, right? Mm-hmm. Or cigars. I've always thought when you're smoking a cigar... It's like, oh, this is so nice. You can go pick the cigar you mm-hmm. like, and people like different nuances and different flavors and from different areas. Right. But at the end of the day, I'm still making a transaction, right? But then if you were to grow your own tobacco in a greenhouse in your backyard <laughs> the and then learn how to roll it and then roll your own cigar and yeah, do the totally. whole process, learn that, and then you sit down and you smoke your cigar, it's it's still the same thing, like the same process at the end, but right, it's like, right. man, you did the entire work up to there. Like you were at every single level. Yeah. Um, but it's crazy that, you know, you have now, yeah, the ability to just kind of go get the paint and get the canvas. I mean, it makes, I think what the cool thing about that is it makes it so you can almost, it takes away the, the cognitive load off of like the whole first arc. And it's almost like, I would imagine you tell me you can focus on the creative output more. Right, right. And like to your first point, um, about creating everything ground up, one of my favorite quotes from Leonardo da Vinci was that a true artist makes his own tools because he understands that what's already there isn't good enough. Mm. So whatever craft you're in, if you're in it long enough, you understand where things lack, you know, where you can improve. Mm. And if you can't find ways to improve every aspect of what you're doing, you're not going to find mastery. You're just not because you're not pushing the boundaries. So to that point, I 100% agree. But... The beauty of not having to create all of these tools, I'm not recreating the wheel. I'm not trying to find all these different animals, skin them, and use their fur right. and to that's find like, what brush yeah. you know? So time is exactly. given that's back a lot to of, me. Right. So I don't have yeah. to focus on just perfecting portraits. I have more time to explore art itself. And that's why I believe in just mastery of styles, learning abstract art, representational art, portraits, landscape. And learning how to blend all of these into their own succinct style. So I grew up doing digital work. Uh, Like I started when I was 12 on Photoshop before it is anything like what it is today. You started off on, you mean on paint? It was like right after paint. (laughs) (laughs) Right before you had to buy subscriptions of Photoshop. Mm. Like that beautiful early Yeah, or you just go on LimeWire and download it. (laughs) That's the era. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... More than half my life has been photography and digital design. And I have my degree from Texas State in design. So my my approach 
to art is kind of geared through design and the way of looking at things. So like the marketing, the advertising, things mm-hmm. that are really heavy in the design design world, I can bring over into the fine art world where most fine artists are too caught up on the idea of selling out or these very hoity-toity ethereal ideas. Yeah, what do you think about that? Like, I'm curious because there is, there's definitely this line, no matter, I think everybody listening to, like, everyone has that point where it's like, when are you selling out? When are you, like, devoted to your craft? And where are you selling out? You know, like yeah, art, for instance, yeah. you all of a sudden put monetization on it. Like this podcast, for instance, mm-hmm. that would change everything. If I was now, you know, charging sponsors were yeah, now saying, saying, oh, well, you know, I would need you to mention this, you know, halfway through the podcast, like this product or something. Yeah. It would change the whole flow and like the foundation of why I'm doing it. Art, like how do you put up, like, I've always wondered that. How do you determine the price? Yeah. Yeah. So of something you work on. That's really fair. Um, to the first part of like what monetization and like oh yeah so like selling out yeah yeah selling out yeah just the idea of that is interesting because you know for me it's kind of boiled down to if it's something that is against my ethical my ethical um standards then it's starting to push what i would consider selling out so how could that yeah so say they need me to paint something that's derogatory towards a specific gender or towards an ethnic group. Like, and I don't believe in that at all. If I do it to take the money and I'm going against my own ethics, that is selling out to sure, me. Sure, right. But if I'm making money off my art, that's not selling out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand how. I think that's a justification for an artist not putting in enough time to actually sell in the marketplace. Because a lot of artists in their school, so you're in university and you're around easily 400 other artists, mm-hmm. different ages from 60-year-old mm-hmm. down to 16. Mm-hmm. And they're all just trying to understand it for themselves. <clears throat> so if you're asking them what to do, you're, you're just kind of like uh, blind leading the blind, you know, mm-hmm. running in a circle. Mm-hmm. But then you think about Nickelodeon, Disney, all these massive, massive businesses I have a few friends that are, they work for Nickelodeon, you know, are are they selling out or is it just a day job like any other profession? Mm -hmm. So is a tech person selling out for working at HP? Is that selling out or is that just using your skills for their standard monetization, you know, to, to feed your family? Sure. So, you know, I sell commissions, which is like people will tell me what to paint, right? And at first, I considered maybe this is what they mean by selling out. But really I, interesting because you know, now it's their idea, right? Right. But I'm the one that's putting in all the work to just for the money, essentially. Right. <clears throat> but I realized, as an artist, you have a job to carry out a vision, to carry out an aesthetic through a vision, a visual vision. Right. So different art forms have different ways you can carry out a vision like music but with an art piece say you want something weird and you you know you can't place exactly what you need in it but you tell the artist the emotions you tell them the symbols and the the things that you want to see in it and so that's my job my understanding of visual space and visual acuity to do that for you right no it's very true that's a good point man because you know, I'm thinking now, like, my sister got married last month, and if I came to you and I said, all right, I really want a painting of, like, to somehow demonstrate in visual form, like, my sister's wedding and how yeah, great it was. Exactly. Then, right, I can't do that. Exactly. But I still want someone to paint that. You're right. Now, that's a really good point. I never yeah. thought about it like that before. To build that, it, it is your job yeah. to bring it to life. Right. Because and you somehow were endowed with the ability of at least the painting exactly. aspect. And that's where, like, artists' egos kind of jump in and... They think their visions are so much higher than everyone else's. That's 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 blasphemy. That's rude. That's condescending. Mm. Yes, you're sitting and thinking, but what's to say others aren't sitting in the same equal level of thought, reading the same people, thinking the same concepts? Just because you can manifest it visually doesn't mean their ideas aren't as worth manifesting. So imagine if Harry Potter was never illustrated. There was no movies. You know, if, right, they if, she, just, right, right, if yeah. she just wrote it and put it in a blank white cover, 
just wrote it, the name on it with a pen, mm-hmm. she wouldn't have sold nearly as many. It's just the way it works. All different art art forms are tied together and they support each other. And people in business don't realize how heavily design actually pushes and enables them to have success. I think it's the yeah. only thing. Yeah. The aesthetics and the way you feel, the story that's being told, whether you're buying a McDonald's cheeseburger right, or right. a t-shirt or you walk into a store. Um, I was just at Caroline's yesterday. Have you been mm-hmm. to that place on downtown yeah. on Congress? And upstairs, they made this like beautiful kind of like upstairs, like half indoor, half outdoor patio, restaurant, bar thing. My friends and I were talking about the aesthetics of it, of mm-hmm. like how it was almost like this giant painting of the design. Gotcha. From everything from the type of lights to like the way the they serve the drinks in um like old <laughs> like uh even like a bean can. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you go camping yeah. and all the stuff melts off on the side, it's like this tin can. <laughs> they serve the drinks in that. That's cool. And it was like every little nuance and factor of the restaurant, someone had put very, very yeah. conscious thought into what am I creating so that when I'm in there I get a certain feeling. I get a certain right. story being told to me by just me being there, the vibe, the presence of exactly. it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, you're right. You would never – and then, of course, the people – there's people making the food mm-hmm. that's going to put their own art right. onto the Always. food being made, the drinks being made, the cocktail servers. Definitely. Yeah, and I mean even the servers, the way they present themselves mm-hmm. and they serve, that maybe is even the way, art. Maybe even the way you talk. Exactly. The certain words that you use can it's, be it. That's such an art. That is such an art. Like uh, Robert Greene's The Art of Seduction – Mm, right. It's completely how you're using your yeah, presence it's, that's and true. your subtleties to yeah. win people over. So yeah, everything has art art tendencies. And one thing art taught me is that all things are related, just so heavily related. Because your understanding, say, of a green tree and a green field will help you understand the greens in like water and like when you're looking at different fruits or you're looking at people's skin you can actually see these greens better Mm. because you're used to looking for these things Mm. so that's why it helps us to paint still lifes and landscapes right we're when we mix the color if we put it on the painting and it doesn't work the color is wrong so you have to keep remixing and messing up and remix and mess up and you're like looking at this brown tree right and then you look down at the color and it's like a gray blue on your brush but it's the exact color you needed because nothing is a flat color. Mm. Even a flat wall is not a flat wall of color. There's millions of different um, nuances of that that tone on the wall. Right. So yeah, it's just just staring at colors all day gives you a heightened perception of color. Right, and I think you brought up a really good point of the like interconnectivity of like the creative spectrum. I think a lot of people get caught up in the like. When I think of creativity, I think firstly of drawing mm-hmm. and painting. I think are you people say you know are you creative? Right, I could draw a stick figure. Exactly. Right. People say are you creative? Mm-hmm. And people you'll hear that response. Oh, I could draw stick stick, stick figure. Mm-hmm. You know, can you can you draw? Can you? I can draw a stick figure. Yeah. And I think that for whatever reason, that is like the channel that most people think of when we think of are you creative? Right. Are you are you? I, I picture someone sculpting. You know, I picture like <laughs> what's that old movie Ghost with? Uh, I picture like. <laughs> They're they're like crafting this pot, you know. That's real art. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, no, I'm not creative. No, I don't know a lot of creative people because no one's in there crafting these like sculptures and paintings. But there are so many different avenues and channels Mm -hmm. and ways to, yeah, express that creativity. Definitely. I mean, you could make a far-fetched leap and say Donald Trump is creative. He has his way. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, not that I'm saying it's good, but... it is what it is. Yeah, but I mean, like, fuck, that's a creative way of doing this politics thing, you know? So follow the mold. He took a creative path to it. Yeah, exactly. So, no, that's really interesting. Um, Do you feel like, you know, because you definitely are in, like, I would say you're deeper into at least this, you know, this type of creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think that is? Like, what do you think that force is? Like you said, you've been doing um, it since you were younger, right? You've always yeah, been drawn to yeah. painting. So like, where do you think that came from? You think it's, it was inherent? You always felt it? Um, yeah, it's always been an underlying thing. So like when I was young, I definitely wouldn't have said, I'm going to be an artist when I'm older. At least I was kind of taught not to expect that to be like a job title right you can't make any money off that right <laughs> i even thought i was going to be a professional soccer player before oh, nice. <laughs> you know I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, i was good at soccer but 
my body was not holding up for that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Like, um, going into college, you know, I'm thinking, like, I think I want to do design. You know, people are doing design more frequently as a real profession. Mm -hmm. And this is like 16-year-old Ryan thinking these thoughts. And so, you know, I go into art school and my parents are just like, you know, you're decent at art. But if you want to, like, really do this as a profession, you need to buckle down and get better. Whatever that means, whether it's hard, work hard in school study more practice more you just need to push yourself to be better at the art yeah okay. and this is like she, they're telling me before i go off to college because they really they really want to support me and they do believe in me but they also see that there's a lot of potential that has to be fostered right 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 not just like oh good you have potential that means success no you gotta earn every stroke of your skill right so that's kind of what pushed me down that path to the point where now I look at being a professional artist as any other profession at a minimum of 40 hours a week, right? So you're actually showing up whether you have what they call creative block. I call it artist paralysis because for me, I'll have so many ideas. I don't know where to start. Ooh, yeah. It's or, like decision fatigue yeah, almost too. Yeah. Which, yeah. And a lot of people have that. Especially if they're not very self-aware and they don't know what they want to do with themselves. Like, maybe I want to be an artist today and then tomorrow they're like a singer and the next day they're a chef and they just can't commit. Sure. Because there's just so much. So usually they just kind of sit and watch Netflix while they're thinking of all these things that could be, right? So I'm just 40 hours into a painting uh, every week into multiple paintings. If one's kind of giving me a hang-up... I'm working on another one while thinking about how I can fix that. You know, I do video work. I set up um, events around the city. You know, East Austin Studio Tour just passed. So I helped organize one of the um, locations and six or seven artists showing out of there. Did was that the Culver Museum? Was that that no, one? No, that was at the Victory Grill. Oh, down, okay. Down the street. And okay, I was cool. showing at the Carver Museum. Carver. Carver, yeah. yeah what did so, I say, Culver? It's all good. I'm thinking of custard. I'm thinking <laughs> of cheeseburgers. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just like layering all these different things on top of myself, my responsibilities, and uh, I guess just being more connected in the art world and mm -hmm. helping younger, not even younger, let me, because a lot of the artists in that show are way older than me, so... Let's say just less experienced or they don't make their full living off of painting and creating. So like that's that's really where like this kind of comes from for me. Working hard, relentless, like always searching for work in terms of like different commissions and murals. Mm -hmm. It's never giving myself enough time to like be down and give up. Interesting. And it sounds like you're always, you're always airing, airing, you're always like, uh, your decision is always on the side of action mm -hmm. as opposed to like you were saying, I know a lot of people, myself included that get wrapped up in it's too much. Mm -hmm. it, it's, there's so many things to do. There's so many steps. There's so many paintings I could be painting. There's so many books I could be reading. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. people, a lot of times I'll hear, um, even people looking for a job, they're like, uh, should I go to a networking event? Should I, mm, am I work on my resume? I should see. I start sending things in? <laughs> and you just, it's almost like you can see the smoke starting to like accumulate and come out of their ears. And they're just yeah. like, and they just totally. shut, shut down, you know? Totally. And it turns to, and then of course we have so many distractions now mm -hmm. where it's easy to placate yourself. Yeah. It's easy to medicate yourself and go, fuck, that's so, I'm just, I'm just going to do it tomorrow. Right. I, have, I, have just, I have a week. I have a week. I have a week. I'm going to relax tonight. I'll watch Netflix, whatever it is. And stuff doesn't get done. Pretty much. Um, so I think that when you were saying that you like, if you're, if you can't work on that one thing because you just can't figure it out and you're getting your paralysis, mm -hmm. that it's like, okay, cool. Then let me work on this other thing that I know I can work on right yeah, now. Exactly. I think that's really, really key in life. Totally. To always err on the side of, I'm still going to out action. I'm doing something. You're so right. Because, I mean, there have been times where I've been rejected, whether it's for shows, whether. Um, someone doesn't want the painting, like whatever. I've been cursed out for my prices. Like, no shit. Like I've had someone. <laughs> Gotta tell you. I'm going to be subtle on this one. No, no, I've no. Had... Fuck that. Don't be subtle. <laughs> this podcast was not born out of the 
protein mud of so, subtleness, <laughs> subtlety. So I was I was procuring a commission. Um, this person was looking for lettering done on their pawn shop, you know. So it's like roughly six, seven hundred square feet that they needed like lettering painted on. Okay. So it's a good amount of space, and then they had these different signs they needed painted. Basically, my quote was like four or five times more than what they were willing to even like offer in the ballpark range, right? Oh. <laughs> and they told me, "Fuck you." Go back to Houston because my phone number was 713. I've lived in Austin for seven years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just have the same phone plan. Sure. You know? Of course, yeah. And so, and the guy on the phone is clearly not American. Like, clearly not American. Now, I don't know how long he's been here, but I'm not going to start stomping on his ethnic background <laughs> or his phone number over a price. His area like, code. dude, just hang up and call someone else. Like He said that to you on the phone. It wasn't even a text. Yeah, he said it, on the it phone. was just like, you, you serious? <laughs> like, Fuck you, go back to Houston. <laughs> I was just like, okay, have a good day. Yeah. Like, I think he was expecting me to break down and yeah. like, accept his prices. Yeah. And he told me this right after Harvey. So he was like, he must have thought I was escaping the hurricane and... He, like, could control me and manipulate yeah. me. I was like, wow, this is, like, ass backwards. Yeah. Are you kidding me? You're going to... Yeah. And then I realized, like, oh, he's opening a pawn shop. That was on me for even expecting a higher standard of him. I was going to say, so, <laughs> yeah, it's like... So I had to dial it down. It's like and, you're going around, like, man, I don't know why, dude, but, like, I go to strip clubs and pawn shops. They keep swearing hey, at me and telling me my prices are too low. Well. Do, do they? Yeah. You painted for a strip We've clubs We've done before? a lot of bar work, me and my mentor. No shit. Yeah, he's worked in the bars for a long while, so we've done um, at least eight of the bars on 6th Street. We've done some work in there, and then just local uh, local bars. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? Like, you've done the paintings in some so of the, like, 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 the like, murals? Some, some of the ones. Uh, the recent one I just did was Parlor and Yard on 6th. Yeah. Um, the old Kung Fu, or no, the new Kung Fu. Yeah. That large nerd's image. Is it even open yet? The new one? Yes. Yeah, yeah I've been yeah. there. I'm so trying that, to think. As you turn left into the building, there's this large, um, it's like a guy in a, a hockey okay. letterman jacket. Okay. Um, I'll have to go check so that yeah, out. Yeah, there's just like a lot of work all over the city. I, yeah. I literally forget. And people yeah. will just like send me an image and like, Ryan, this is awesome. I'm like, oh, I did that, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> like, damn, I'm working too much. <laughs> No, that's cool, man. Yeah. And that's crazy how, um, you know, how it can be switched, like how the business gets involved in the art. Yeah. You know, it's like, quote yeah. me this price, you it's know, where it's so subjective. Thing. Yeah. You know, it's so subjective with things like that, where it is. You know, it's like, you know, the price that you want to put based on because you know what you're doing in here in the studio mm -hmm. or in their place. Yeah. And on that, like, I try to teach younger artists and this. It's probably helpful for other entrepreneurs and people trying to do it on their own. You know, I, th I talk about what's your max earning potential, right? So most artists, let's say your average artist who doesn't know what it's really like to run a business yet, their first year out trying it and say they're making small paintings, kind of like the one on the wall, the little like eight by eight paintings. They're selling each of them $50, $100, okay? And they can make... I don't know, let's say they can make four or five a month. So what they would do to figure out how much money they can actually make in that small amount or in a year, right? You say, I have $50 paintings and I have five from each month. So that's 60 paintings. So they would multiply 60 times $50 because that's the max earning potential of their full year of work. That is $3,000. <laughs> For the whole year. So they should probably... <laughs> do more or <laughs> increase their prices. Yeah, or, or get a part-time job. Yeah. Either way, as long as they know what their max potential is, they now kn know how to build their game plan. Yeah. good. Okay. It's a good starting point exactly. to build off of. Yeah. So for me, I teach smaller painting classes on the weekend, painting with a twist, really simple stuff. We get drunk, have fun. Cool. But I do two to three paintings on the weekend and then two to three more of my work my commissions my personal work so that's six paintings a week for me 
a week. So that's 36 in a month. Mm -hmm. Most people aren't moving that fast. Like that's insane to most people. I literally get messages from other artists like, you're insane. You work too much. Like I hate everything about you, but your work ethic. Like I get these messages. Really? Yeah. And not, and I know sometimes they're like joking. It's like, uh, it's like, it's all right. It's the 50, 50. Yeah. I was like, going to say, I'm a, like, I kind of hate you, yeah. but also respect and like love what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, sure. it's, it's just that envy. And I, I have those feelings towards some other artists too. Even if they work more or less than me, it's just kind of the way you can't have every creation as your own. Yeah. Even if you're creating beautiful things, yeah. others are still creating beautiful things. Yeah. And it, it hurts. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> That's so beautiful. How <laughs> am I, I didn't think of that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's a, it's a very mental, mental game. But, but like knowing your max earning potential is one of the biggest steps to even jumping into the entrepreneurial world. Entrepreneurial world. You know, like I have a friend who they were trying to do shirts and stuff like mm-hmm. custom stuff mm-hmm. and they want to do like hand make these things. But I was telling him like, okay, think of how many you can actually make in a week. And like, if you sold all of that, what's that outcome? And is that even comparable to your full-time job that you're grinding out every day? Yeah. Like, like, should you just not worry about this? Cause you think it's going to replace it. And it's definitely not going to replace it this week. It's not going to replace it in half half a year. Excuse me. So it's just about putting in the accurate amount of time into your goals. So you're not wasting your time. Maybe it needs to be exactly 20% into shirt making. Because you need 75% of your time into your full-time job. That gives you 5% to just kind of kick it and breathe air and then get back to it. But most people aren't even willing to look at their day like that. Oh, man. I think <clears throat> setting up that foundation is crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least looking at it, You know what, man? I think what a lot of times happens is that's a very objective way to look at things. Right? You have to be very real. You have to be very real with yourself. You have to be very honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens is we get scared to do that because it makes it a reality. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> You know, you're right. I probably wouldn't be as far right now if I was trying to control it and understand, you know, like what goals I needed to hit. But that also kind of doesn't scare me at all. Yeah. And I think that if a lot of times it's easier and it's nicer to have the thought and the imagination Mm -hmm. of what could be. Yeah. And that's a really pleasant you know, daydream. It's, mm-hmm. it's a great little, you know, s- little starburst for your mind when you're sitting there at this job you don't like. And right, you just, exactly. You zone off and you're thinking about what's so much better. One day I could, you know, I have this pain on the side and, you know, one day I'm going to turn into this thing and yeah. it's going to, I'm going to be living in Mexico with, you know, <laughs> you know, green chilies brewing in the kitchen Every and, day. <laughs> and Cuban coffee and just painting, you know, with this beautiful woman there. These are my fantasies. No, those are good. And, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it, that, that, re- that fantasy is so alluring mm-hmm. that when you, when you have to sit down and go, okay. Let's look at this objectively, right? And go, <laughs> I'm painting twice, right? Or whatever it is that people out there are doing, you know, like I'm, I'm yeah, making yes. a small business, right? I'm creating jewelry yeah, or yeah. I want to write, you know, write books or articles or whatever little side hustle you got. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have to sit down objectively and say, okay, you know, I'm selling this jewelry online for, you know, each right. one is I'm getting the $3 profit off of. I'm selling about 10 a week right now. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, that's $120 a month. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's yep. taking me 10 hours a week. You know, then you minimum, have to usually. minimum, right? Yeah. So let's just say that. And that's taking me out, yeah, let's say 10, 15 hours. Well, then you got to really be objective and look at it, you know, through, I think it could just hurt. It hurts to be no, like, right. shit, all of a sudden now I'm going to have to either ramp up production or this fantasy that has kept me alive for so long mm-hmm. might not be real. Yeah. And I think that's what makes people unwilling yeah. to do that. I, I get what you're saying. Um, the fact that there are so many blueprints of it happening before should be like 
Oh no, I'm saying yeah, we everyone should do that. But I'm saying I think that, and I'm talking about myself. That's what holds it back is because you want the the fantasy, but you're never gonna get the reality that it's always gonna be a fantasy. It's always gonna be this (laughs) fantasy in your mind. You're gonna be 50 years old and think, "Fuck, I never, I never wanted to sit down and really face it to make it happen." That's true. I just lived in this fantasy world. Mm -hmm. We all do it to some extent with different things in our life. But you're right. I do that still. Yeah. Even though the funny thing is now I know. That I'm gonna be a painter and designer because I'm so heavily invested. Uh, there's no, there's no turning around. Yeah, right? you cut the like, you <laughs> burn the bridge. Like you look around. I have so many brushes. Like I was telling someone a year or two ago, like I needed to buy brushes because uh, you know a few of them mine were getting a little messed up. And I told them I only had like 50, 60 brushes. They're like, "What the hell? I only have five brushes." Like. I was like, oh shit, I'm a painter, aren't I? <laughs> like, you don't accidentally get 60 brushes. Yeah. So yeah, I easily, there's another 20 in my car right now. So there's easily 100 in here. Yeah. And it's just, I'm invested. I know what each of them do. Like I know where I can use my art stuff outside of the art world to make money if I had to. Yeah. Like you just get so involved. Yeah. You open up so many doors. Yeah. That it's like this all has to either crash and burn. Yeah. That, or I won't be leaving this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's a good way to like do it. Ball and chain, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, it can always transform. Things like this can always transform into other yeah. pathways, but you kind of got to burn the moat. Yeah. I know? was actually building longboards and skateboards before okay. painting. Oh, right on. It's cool. like five years. It was under 10 man longboards. Texas, little Texas brand. Nice. Yeah, so I had a few writers under me, but like, you know, it just started out of the garage, just like my first two boards I had a Sector 9 and a Rain. Sector 9, dude, yeah, I used, we used to bomb hills back in the broke day, dude. The first, of course, like, the Sector 9 broke. Months. Okay, but I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> Sector 9s were like the mass produced <laughs> longboard. Like, I had one. It had a carbon fiber and everything. For sure. Yeah, it. yeah. And then it like delammed and split apart. Yeah. It's like, fuck this. Yeah. I'm just going to build one for 20 bucks. Yeah. If this is how it's going to be. Of course, over the years, easy 50,000 into like. Just all the building. I build over 400 boards, you know? People still have my boards around Texas, and they ride them. Like, I sold boards to different skate shops. Nice. Here, like, throughout Texas. Like, I was in it, but slowly I started losing, like, access to um, the warehouse space that I liked. And, you know, tools start to break and things like that. So, you kind of decide, is what I'm putting into it worth it? And I realized then... You either look at your successes and failures immediately when they're happening, when you're investing in it, or you wait till it all falls apart and you have no fucking choice but to close your door. So that's up to you, Mm -hmm. you know, if you don't want to look at things irrationally, you don't want to face the reality of like, do I hire an extra person? Do I cut back? Do I, you know, do I find different shipping costs, you know, doing whatever it takes for the success of your business, not the su- success of your ego. Mm-hmm. Completely different. You can prop yourself up and keep yourself safe all day, okay, until the tide rises. Then you're screwed and you got to jump in anyway. So if you're going to build your boat, take your time, slowly build it. You don't have to win this week. I've been at it for five years, still growing. You know, the last two years were the first years that my art making has now been my main job and my part-time job is actually my part-time job. Whereas for most artists, their part-time job is their full-time job and they try to make some money on the side doing paintings. But I've been doing city government work, you know, getting grants, um, large commissions, selling at festivals, doing design work. Like I get it in. I work at least 70, 80 hours a week. Just like standard. To make the dream a reality. Yeah, just, part, it's part of me, you know? Like, I, I'll be up at 3 a.m. painting, whether you're painting me for the painting or not. But it helps out when you're getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Your coffee's a little sweeter in the morning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Um, When we first started, when I first came in, you wanted to know what type of art like I usually go for because yeah, then you kind yeah. of like can assess a person. Yeah. Can, can you talk about that? Yeah. So I think art is interesting in terms of, especially where art therapy has gone over the last two, three decades, four decades. 
the one awesome thing about art therapy is that so few people are connected to art, they have no idea how it's actually happening. Hmm. Where therapy, you've seen the videos, you've read about Freud, like you know about the big comfy chair, or you, you spill all the beans, right? So people go into those settings super cautious, super aware of what's going on. But when you come to a painting class, what's happening is as you're painting, you're working through your own self. So you have to be the one to put all the paint on there. Whenever there's a small mistake, how do you handle mistakes normally in your life? Do you blow up or is it just a mistake and do you fix it? And so you can see people react to things like this. Do you melt down? Do you have to like ask for help? Are you someone that's used to just trying? Don't let anyone know you're suffering. Like, yeah, I have problems, but it's okay. You can't fix these, right? Hmm. So all these things become very, very apparent in 10, 20 minutes of watching you paint. But you have no idea. You're just, you're like, I've never painted. I don't know. You know, like <laughs> you're in your own mind about the process of painting while I'm in your mind about the process of your mind. You're fucking creepy, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, no, really, I just like watch just people. Just sit there and watching. Like, and like people will be freaking out. And they're like, I don't want your help. I don't want. And you're like, okay. And you just you're walk like, off. Oh, now, and they're like, oh, now I know. Yeah, now then, I know. <laughs> it's funny. You though. had daddy issues, didn't you? Now I know. <laughs> it's real. Like they'll push you away. And if you just, you know, you can mirror them. That's a psychological um, technique where you just mirror their emotions. So if they're yelling and whatever, you kind of like jokingly like, nah, 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 yell back with them yeah, to yeah. let them know you're in the same space and you get where they're coming from, but like they're not going to change your, your mentality, you know? So if they're a soft-spoken person, you know, you come down to their level, you meet them, see how they're doing, you know? So it's just about being very cautious because you are entering someone's personal space Especially when they're making art and they're so conscious about it, like hey, that, that's so yeah, true, man. People I've like yeah. stood like standing in the classroom because I'm just like there if they need me. But the person I'm closest to feels like I'm staring at their painting. I've had a person turn around. They're like, "Can you back away? Like, can you just give me some room?" I'm like, "Oh shit, sorry, I didn't." And realize. These are, this is like painting yeah, flower like pots. They're and drinking stuff, right? alcohol. Right, it's like the Pino Pino palette exactly. and those kind of yeah, things. Yeah. So, yeah. It's just really interesting to watch people learn about themselves and like people who say they're not OCD, but like all their friends are like watching them be very anal about this, this one little thing. And so, yeah, you kind of out yourself whether you know it or not. It's, it's a great thing. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it is a, it's funny that, um, how art, how painting something could be such a, window into yeah. like everything it's else funny, in your right? life yeah same with a lot of stuff right you can look like people's relationships or like the way that they mm -hmm. react to a lot of stuff but i think art is such a for whatever reason such a poignant and like yeah a, 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 a sensitive spot for a lot of people or a very self-conscious spot yeah i think something that helps is that it's so accessible so like you can do it in a therapy room if you want. Mm -hmm. You know, you can have pencil and pencil and paper. You can be in an actual art studio, really anywhere you can create, right? So you can be in nature and have people creating and try and get into their head out there where they're in a more open um just aware space. Right. You know, you can even do it in business rooms, like conference rooms, but you'll actually be generating that environment's mindset as well. So you have to be aware of these things. So it's just, it's a really, really safe way to get into someone's mindset or get into your own mindset. Right. Um, without self-inflicting pain. And those are like, um, you know, where can people find those types of classes? Like that's like the, like, um, Pino Palette, yeah, I think. So is I work that, that's a painting, chain. Yeah, like painting with, right? with a twist. with a twist. The one I work at. It's, these are all stores that are, yeah. not, I don't know if they're national, but they're Yeah, they're places. pretty national. Yeah. Uh, like Pino's Palette. And there's a few other. There are a lot of artists who will do this freelance now. Just like go set up in someone's house. Yeah. You know, and do the classes. And like there are art workshops. There are like, I mean, there's so many different aspects just go out there and create. Yeah. Any way you can just heal yourself through creation. The funny thing is it's really stressful for some people, which, again, the art therapy is letting me know, like, what kind of person you are from the stresses it gives you. Mm. But 
That means you need to find a better way of healing yourself. Like or maybe mm. it's just rowing a boat, mm-hmm. you know, playing basketball. Like the creativity of putting the ball through your legs and like pulling up for a three, that that releases mm. the same kind of energies. So yeah, there's just find what's healthy for you. Is get, and I think you're right, expressing it, I think, and get it, creating it instead of consuming yeah. stuff. Because I think a lot, we get trapped a lot of times now in this consumption 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 yeah. and at the end of the day you're like i didn't create shit yeah, someone days, actually you know? told me like i thought about this a few years ago and i get where they're coming from so i have to I have to kind of speak to both sides here but i told them um like i create um sorry what is it called i create culture more than i consume culture and they're like wow that's really pretentious and I'm like, I get what you're saying, but I purposely like block out a lot of the outside influences to better understand myself and where I'm coming from. And if this is kind of swaying me versus that, you know, so you have to separate in some terms, even if it means literally surrounding yourself with walls full of your own art and your own Like creations. we are right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're literally stuck in a box of your mind. You're like... In your mind, inside of your mind. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really weird because you have to study your own own art. That was very true. To know where you're coming from. Totally. And not be swayed. You know, uh, on the way over here, I was listening to Joe Rogan, who's one mm-hmm. of my favorite podcasters. And I, almost, I turned it off and I was about five minutes away. And I realized that on the way over here, I was like, I need to take a month off from mm-hmm. listening to other podcasts. I know what you mean. Because I hear myself sometimes during it or... Um, the way that I almost like do the write-ups of it or something like that, where it's like, I feel like I'm almost this combination now of like the two or three biggest like people that I I listen to on a podcast. Right. And it's like, well, that's not good because I don't know where I'm coming from. I'm being swayed too much by these, even though they're good influencers, it's still an influence on, well, what what do I want to say? Like directly from me. And you write it makes you go, what you, you little, you selfish douche. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not all about you, but you're right where it's like if you're if you're creating it if you're it writing it, right. it it's got to be you and right. of course you're always going to incorporate styles or influence from other people but it's got to be yeah and you're right to me. that like i definitely see different artists come out in my work the cool thing is we're so inherently us that even if we're biting someone else's style it still sounds like us yeah, yeah. like as hard as you work to even try to be that other person that's that's like when you'll get people going, you're not Joe Rogan. Stop trying to be like that. Just be you. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think you're you're definitely in your own space of like you come off as Alex to me. No, but I, I know what you mean. But yeah. um, one thing that is heard, they'll say, you know, artists steal from other artists. Yeah. And like you learn from your mentors. That's why you took them as a mentor. So you can kind of steal from them. But after you understand all of their understandings, your goal is to slowly whittle away what you've taken from them and keep the technical understanding of the materials of the crafts. So you're building, you're just building a knowledge base, basically. And each artist has their own little bank of knowledge. So like to make my work, I use these four different main techniques, right? That's... That's how artists have to kind of think Um, because I would look at my work over time and I'm like, why are the styles like they're kind of similar, but there's so many things changing. Oh, really? Yeah. Like sometimes the colors are more subtle, not as bright. Other times they're way saturated, really bright, crazy. Sometimes it's super smooth. Other times it's like that super patchy, heavy paint, just like messy. And you try to understand like the the flow through all of these things of like, okay, I know I was trying to understand something about the color here. I was learning about brushes and like different brush strokes working together here. But you realize, so for example, let's say like Pollock, Jason uh, Jackson Pollock's work, he has to do the same things to create his work. He always has to splatter paint, drip paint. He needs to sling it off of a stick to get the certain consistency. You know, he needs to keep throwing his cigarette butts into the painting. He needs to keep walking across it to get the foot. Like everything has to happen again. The only thing that changes is the colors. Right. Everything has to happen 
exactly as it did last time to get a series of work that's all uniform but i feel like you don't really learn much doing that you know yeah well when you have the different styles that come out isn't it also based on your mood does it ever, do you ever see your styles change based on um, your mood that day if you're going through maybe some relationship yes issues no. in your life or just you know to a degree now that now that i've kind of placed it into a professional space of like these need to get done and i know what my long-term goals are mm. i can kind of override those intu- intuitions if you will which is sometimes good sometimes not right because i will have a lot of one-off random paintings i can't sell or do anything with if i do that too often right but allowing that to happen finding that explorative nature like the unlock for my future work i don't know which painting that's going to be right so i have to be open Right. It's like this, yeah. It's so hard to like walk that line. Yeah, I would imagine. You know? I would imagine it would be. Yeah, you want to be consistent to build the business side of things, right? Um, but yeah, if you're being consistent all the time, then how's there ever going to be growth? If right, you're not right. pushing it a little bit. And that's one thing someone will worry about, and it's like an inherent worry that you don't know if you ever missed it or if it's ever coming. Of like. <laughs> This massive change or this massive insight, are you the one to have it? Is it like the guy down the road? Is it not for another 10 years that this new style is going to be made? Right. Where is it? Right. It's somewhere close. Yeah. Yeah. Some people sit and think like, they sit and they literally think of how to create this new thing. Like you were saying earlier, it's action. You have to be creating. You have to constantly work with different materials. Like I'll use carbon fiber. I'll use fiberglass. I'll use wood pvc just Mm. you get these understandings of materials that people did not use hundreds of years ago we have so many more doors open yeah what was the the colors you were using ones that changed by the temperature they were uh, wait 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 wait. (laughs) (laughs) fuck Think about temperature i know no 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 dude i'm blanking no i'm blanking on it hard right now chromo you're close. Chrono. The second part. The first, the, the second part is chrono. Chromo. Chromo. Yeah. Starts with a T. Tetrachrono. <laughs> thermochromatic. Thermochrono. Thermo. Of course. There you go. Yeah. So thermochromatic yeah. paint. Thermochromatic paint. Yeah. Thermothermal. Chroma uh, is color and uh, hue. So thermochromatic paint changes based on the temperature of the paint there's two different types there's your basic um like the pigment will turn blank so it'll look like say you put this color on a brick wall right it'll look like a brick wall until it is higher than 72 degrees then Mm -hmm. it'll look blue it'll change the uh like the chemical uh under i don't even fully know how to word it like, my little brother is actually studying biochem, and he was telling me, like, how this stuff actually works <laughs> and the catalysts that go off. Sure. And it's crazy to me because when the paint is dry, like, it's set, right? But it still happens. Yeah, that is so, insane. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, but one thing that I've been working on is layering up these different colors to where the painting will change multiple times. So you have one painting at 66 degrees, one at 72, one at 78, and so on, where I can effectively change the mood of the painting so I can get it to feel dark and dreary when it's cold, really warm and bright and vibrant when it's hot, yeah, and just really, really play with the understanding of pigments. That's uh, cool. That's a sweet concept. And yeah. I think like are those, I think you were talking about how like in the mornings it could be a color and going, you know, in the yeah, afternoon. Exactly. Kind of mimics the natural world, right? Like, you know, morning glory flowers will 100%. You know, open up in the morning, you know, and it's, there's a different, you know, style to that. And then in the evening they retract and yeah. stuff and you can have the painting reflect like the natural totally. world. Exactly. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. One thing that I like about it is just because of the seasons, you kind of forget your house is generally cooler in the winter. Yeah. So you're used to what the painting looks like then. And as the summer hits again, you're like, wait, that's not my painting. <laughs> like, who came in here? What the, why is it now a dick? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I bought a forest to turn into a dick. What did I could pull from? that off. I got, I got the skills. <laughs> That'd be so funny. 
But yeah, it's pretty trippy stuff. Yeah. And it's just another like marker in our time period, I guess. Like we were saying, uh, people in the past had to make their own stuff. Like cavemen yeah. had three colors. Black from the charcoal after inventing fire, right? And then different browns and reds from different muds and dirts. Poop even. And probably some, um, they use a lot of plants too. Really. Yeah, like colorful plants. Mm-hmm. You can squeeze the juices out, mm-hmm. things like that. And then like the white of scratching a rock on another rock. And they had to have the ingenuity of thinking of these things before they could use them. Right? Whereas now, like, um, we have all these tubes of color. Now we have these thermochromatic paints. We have chameleon paint or like shifts colors. You know, there's, um, there's fluorescence. There's so many different things that we can now use that I feel an artist should use in their work to kind of label where we are in in time. In the way that the Impressionists, like Monet and Manet, they use really bright colors to show like vibrant Impressionist paintings. That was the first time bright colors were even made. They never had bright colored paint before. Everything was just dull because it was all dirt and flowers right. and... So yeah, they were so excited by bright colors and it actually being in a tube now that they can also go buy it, that they they were so drawn to it, they had to use yeah. it. So we're the same. We have to use carbon fiber and all these crazy things because it's our time period. Why not? Yeah. Why let it go to waste? Yeah. You know, the, you know the, next, um, the next channel or like the next progression of art is going to be... Something to do with virtual or augmented reality. Oh, yeah. Virtual, for sure. I think it's going to be, eventually, I I think the ability to, like for me, what if you could go into the creative space? What if an artist created virtual (laughs) reality of his creative space so that I could put on my, I could put on like a virtual reality set and I could then go through the process. I could have that creative ability. That's an interesting Through the virtual reality. I like that. Or an augmented, I think. Yeah, like a little playhouse or something. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden you enter in and now you are endowed with the ability to create whatever it is you want. You know, Mm. you can be this amazing painter, sculptor or something like that. That's interesting. I know I have a few friends who actually do a lot of VR art downtown. So like they have the goggles on and they're like making... While they have the goggles on? Yeah, they have like these wands that they're moving around. Oh. But it's creating something in the virtual the virtual world. Yes, yeah, yeah, really cool stuff. Like really wild. I mean, where creations. does it get, where does it get displayed on a screen? They can like download. Yeah, what right. They make. So it's on, either on a mul- other screens on the wall or just in their headset. But they can also save these images. That's insane. And they like upload them places. So you can create something and just be turning the model, taking multiple photos. Right. And essentially, that's different images or different works. If right. You so, yeah, there's a lot already happening with it. And, I mean, I want to get into it because I know what is coming. You're all right. Like, I don't think we'll leave paint, physical paintings and physical artwork behind. But what the new generations are going to find in virtual reality being, like, a standard reality for them. <sighs> I know. Isn't that trippy? That's yeah. a trippy sentence right there. It is weird. <laughs> at that point, if if it's a standard reality, then is it virtual reality? Right. They'll there be they will be okay with living in their virtual world, right, for but hours, days, weeks on end. At what point, my at what point is it then no longer virtual? When is it just reality? Mm-hmm. Is it just the new reality? Well, I guess right? if you <laughs> to an to a certain to an extent, that's like a matrix yeah. question, right. but I mean, at a certain point, it's kind of like right. Unless I'm exposed to your same realities yeah like that's where the line is yes exactly so i'm not only by in. contrast will you be able to determine whether one's reality and which exactly one's not. which is another problem because i've had that problem with sanity you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, how do you determine sanity if you're around insane people and how and vice versa you it's can. just the it's like who gets to make the rules today basically that's that's how i look at that yeah, no, I mean, that's a that's like that's the question. Yeah, is how do we all know? Like, I always think about it like in terms of, in terms of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Like, if we go back pre agriculture, and you you know, let's go back twenty thousand years, yeah. right? Homo sapiens have been around for they project two hundred thousand, mm-hmm. right? Written that we have like documented records of civilization started ten thousand years ago. So right, that's five yeah. percent 
Right. Of our history, right? And we base all of like what we know about human nature <laughs> yeah. and stuff on 5%. All right. So let's go back Probably 20, lesser 000. than that. Yeah. It's like 3,000 years. Right. But agriculture, the agricultural revolution 10,000 years ago. So let's go back 20,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. What does that, what does human consciousness look like right. compared to nowadays? Right. Were we more in touch with more things? Were we always thinking so much about the future? Right, you know, when right. we didn't have so much influence from the culture and society that it is today, yeah. that influences in ways that we have no idea about because like you said, there's not a really a single human alive to show us the alternative. Very Unless true. we go to those islands that are, you know, off the coast of, you know, like in the Polynesian islands that there's like these cultures <laughs> right. that have been there that have been untouched. Besides that, it's like we can't even begin to know what the consciousness used to be like or what it could be like. Totally. Because we all, you're right, compared to those people, they could look at us and be like, Ryan and Alex are literally what we would determine as insane people. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they're insane. The way they get up, what time they get up in the morning or maybe the way we talk or whatever it is, these things that are influenced. Yeah, yeah. They're insane. Yeah, I mean that's interesting because like we don't exactly know – how many shifts or when the shifts were in time of like our mental evolution. Right. But we do at least know that it came from those people that we are now. Right. Yeah. Like they're our ancestors. So we did have to have something, an inkling that separated them from whatever we are. So, you know, there are people like the Egyptians and different, different cultures throughout time understood the stars Way better than me and my family members have ever, ever, ever come to know. I could not go outside and like look up and point like that's this and this is that. And yeah. And like if this is over here, that means it's winter. And if it's, you know, yeah, like their understandings of my own physical, natural world. That's that a huge part of it. They had it? so much more understanding. Of. Yeah. So am I the fool now? Is it regressing? The average person could not put together the toaster in their kitchen you couldn't toast bread if you wanted to because you aren't smart <laughs> you know what i mean we, individually we're we stupid we couldn't make most of us won't be able to make a, a sustainable amount of food exactly we are fools <laughs> we are well you know what happens is we become dependent yeah we're all suckling we're all dependent but our ego has used that entitlement to say we are better than every other exactly period that has come before right totally totally off right has to be right it just has to be right i I agree on an individual basis collectively have we become more intelligent right collectively totally right and that's also a subjective thing like how more intelligent is very subjective whatever that means because we are also building off of everything that was before right and it's also like well if are we talking about intelligence or are we talking about just their mass more mass enjoyment across the earth and people will say things like well there's less violence now than ever before in history Mm, you know and you go in the recorded history of, like you said, 3,000 years, <laughs> right. which is fucking 2%. Right. We, <laughs> we don't know before that. And we're basing it all off of just this little smidgen of time right. that we know about. And what, it's, like, what oh, it's the best time it's you. ever been. What yeah. your friends told you. Yeah, what like, you heard. Are you playing what? Grandpa? Like, you're 80. <laughs> like, that was like a nanosecond. Like, life is better now than before. Okay, what does that mean exactly? Right. And yeah, you're right. We're individually getting to this point where it's like, well, look how great and you know we are but individually yeah we're i don't i don't know if we're going in pretty it's, lesser as individuals i think so yeah, yeah. we're very very yeah. dependent on everything look at this like you have an apartment mm-hmm. i'm in a house everything but the air we breathe mm-hmm. for now for now i think china is going to lose their free air pretty soon <laughs> is that a thing <laughs> i mean they have you know such bad air yeah. quality there has been some talks of like how do we get them clean air Without them paying for it, well, they're gonna have to pay for it to get the clean air there. Well, you would hope the government. I mean, I there guess are a lot indir- of hopes. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what's funny we is have that, a lot of hopes. You know what's too. funny <laughs> is that indirectly you kind of are paying for your air because, of, like, if you're in China and the government mm-hmm. says, "Okay, we're gonna put in these new mandates or we're gonna right, we're gonna true. do something," the government will pay for it, but we pay the government. Cleaning so up your own air. Yeah. You're cleaning up your own air. Yeah. So you you are basically paying for your air at that point. Yeah, and I, I guess indirectly we pay the EPA and things like that that restrict. Well, there you, know, you go. Carbon we have nothing. So fuck, man. <laughs> Damn it! I Damn hate it. <laughs> How'd you do this to me? <laughs> but in general, it's it's a sweet life. It's a great right, life. Right. And Definitely. all these cool things it allows us to sit here and I'm recording this on my laptop Ain't that, that I'll truth. project out into the world, and you can put your stuff on Facebook. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's amazing stuff. 
I, uh, I'm definitely not taking it for granted. Yeah, no, it's good. Yes. It's good. Um, so cool, man. Why don't you tell everyone, um, people in Austin, where they can find you, and people that aren't in Austin, how they can get in touch with you? Yeah. So my website is ryanruncie.com. R y a n r u n c i e dot com. Um, Instagram Ryan underscore Runcie. Same spelling. Um, Facebook artwork of Ryan Runcie. Um, you can hit me up, contact me, however you need. Just talk art, buy art, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in Austin, come check it out. Yeah, I do town. a lot of shows throughout Texas yeah. and mural work. So yeah. if you check my Instagram, you'll see like the most recent things that I'm doing. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, and it's awesome stuff, dude. And you are like genuinely when you say come talk art, like we started talking <laughs> at a fucking thing for like 15 minutes or so and talking about your self-portrait and other stuff. Yeah, for so, sure. So, I mean, you're honestly down to like talk with people about art, good conversations yeah. and stuff. So, yeah, people listening, taking advantage of that, you know. Yeah, definitely. And, I appreciate yeah. the opportunity to do yeah, this bro. with you. Yeah, bro. This was fun, dude. It was awesome. All right, man. All right. Later. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed listening to Ryan. I had a blast recording it with him. I also just realized how much of a stoner I sound like at the beginning of my podcast because I talk about it in the intro and then go right into it in the podcast. I don't smoke that much weed. I don't know why I need to have the need to say that right now. Um, but yeah, I just sound like such a stoner at the beginning of this episode. Whatever. Anyway, I hope you guys loved it. Check out Ryan for sure. Talented guy. Um, really insightful, obviously. And uh, feel free to hit me up, alexalexstar.com, Facebook, all that good stuff. Leave reviews. Tell your friends. All that good stuff. And I will see you guys soon for the next episode coming out in about 10 to 14 days. Okay. Love you all. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.